0: You're listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy listening to the podcast and connect with us online at TahlequahUMC.org. May you be blessed by the hearing and reading of Scripture and the meditation on the Word. Have a good day. Lord, you remind us in your Scriptures that let's not love with words or speech— but with action and truth. And Lord, I pray that as we go about our daily lives that you surround us with your love and care and that in every step, in every breath we take, we see it as an opportunity to share your love. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Come and just excite in us that renewal spirit that leads us and guides us. And Lord, I know that you are in this place. And all of God's people say, Amen. Our scripture lesson for today comes from the epistle, 1 John, uh, chapter 4, verse 8. And it reads like this. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. I'm going to read that again. The person who doesn't love doesn't know God, because God is love. This is the scripture of faith for the people of faith. Thanks be to God. Amen. God is love. I want you to hear that again God is love not a, a hell or a judgment or or damnation that sometimes gets presented or or people feel that that they've been given this authority God is love so why is love the answer love is the answer because God loves us. And that challenge of love pushes us and, and calls us and reminds us that love is not about us and our wants and needs. Love is about others. And love is about God. And we can't truly feel love until we let go of ourselves and allow God to lead us in love. God is love. David Field in his book, our purpose is love, the Wesleyan way to be the church, he has these four perspectives that we can view God's love as a passionate concern for the comprehensive well-being for all people. The first is God God's love is relational. God's love is relational. Why else would he come down as Jesus and want to get to know us and be with us? Why else would he show us how to live by, by coming and being with us? Because God wants that relationship with us. And far too often we put up those barriers because sometimes that relationship with God takes us places that we don't want to go. Maybe we get in the way of our relationship with God because we're so focused on those things that we say, well, but God, I really don't want to do this. I mean, we we see that in the Bible. God calls Moses, but God, I really don't want to go tell Pharaoh, let your people go. I just don't have what it takes. God says I can provide for you. But God's love is relational. God has a, a passionate desire to draw us into relationship with God's very self by removing all obstacles that we create between us and god and that's also between us and our neighbor because how often do we put barriers up between the other when we don't like the way they look or the way they think or the way they drive or whatever but we put that barrier up and so we don't ever get to know the person god's love is relational The other thing, the other point is that God's love is expressed in mercy, justice, and truth. Justice is God's commitment to treating us according to who we are and what we do. Mercy is God's compassion for us as we suffer and sinful human beings. It goes beyond justice in seeking to heal and transform us despite our rejection of God. Truth is God's ability in being in action so that we can always depend on God to act according to the divine character and purpose revealed throughout the Bible, Fields Reflects. But God's love is expressed in mercy, justice, and truth. Think about those ways that we provide that here at this church. We help mercy helping people get electric bills. We seek justice by demanding better of this world. We seek the truth that God is love in every step and every breath that we take. The third point, the third perspective is that God's love is most profound revealed on the cross. God gave himself for us. He didn't say, here's what it's going to take and say, I'm going to do this because I love you. He said, I'm going to do it because I love you. And because of that, we because of that death on the cross, that willingness to be revealed and to show what love looks like. It brings healing, reconciliation, and transformation. When we allow the God on the cross, when we look at that story, it shapes and changes us. It holds us accountable, to be faithful disciples of Jesus. But we also see ourselves in that story too. There are times where we are like Peter and we run away. There are times we're like the women and want to share the story that Christ has indeed risen. There are times when, when we don't know what to do because we're so lost and afraid that, that we lost Jesus, but we really never lost him. He was always there the whole time. And God's love is profound because of the cross. You know, and God's love is not oppressed to God's anger, because God's anger can also protect. I like what Field says. He says, God's anger is directed at all that would destroy whatever prevents us from achieving the well-being that God intends for us. Sometimes when we put a barrier up between us and God, God gets angry at that. God wants that relationship with us. And when we put up that barrier, or we allow those other things to get in the way, God gets angry at that. Because God loves you and doesn't want you to have that barrier. Because most of the time it's you. And so when we let that barrier go, God rejoices because you're giving your whole self to God. I really love this line from him. God has a mission in the world and love is at the heart of that mission. Love is at the heart of God's mission. Why else would God say that really, you know, when Jesus is asked about the commandments, he breaks it down to two. Love God with your whole self and love your neighbor. If we can figure those two things out, we will be transformed and the world will be transformed. But far too often we let those other things get in the way and, and we allow ourselves to get in the way of God's love, of being able to share God's love because it's scary or it's different or, or the people we're talking to don't look, think, and act like us. But that's who God calls us to, So those outer edges. And when we look at the, when we look at the Scriptures, we, we begin to better understand this mission for the world that God really does love us. And notice that the times that that, that men fall short, it's it's when we don't have a centered life upon God. Love for God is centering one's life on God. Love for God is centering one's life on God. If someone were to look at you right now, would they be able to tell that you're a follower of Jesus? Well, obviously now, like, I mean, you're sitting in church, like, that kind of makes sense. But when you're at Walmart. Can people tell you're a follower of Jesus? When you're standing in line when it's hot and it's 110 degrees and you're pumping gas, can people tell that you love Jesus? And it doesn't mean about the bumper stickers you wear or the t-shirts you wear, but your actions matter. That's how people know that you have a life centered on God, because of your actions. Fields also reminds us that the love for God doesn't arise out of a sense of obligation. It arises out of gratitude for all that God has done in Christ, and it involves the whole of our being. What the author is saying here, go ahead and leave that up. It's a little long. I actually couldn't write it all down. But the love for God does not arise out of sense of obligation. God doesn't want you to feel obligated to love God. God wants you to love God because God first loved you. And God cares for you. And so when we receive that love, what else do we want to do with it? We don't hide it under a bushel, no. We let it shine. And we share God's love with everyone. You, you all have done that work. You know what that feels like. The problem is, is that sometimes work gets hard, and it gets scary, and it gets difficult. And we see it as an obligation versus an act of gratitude. And when we share God's love as an act of gratitude, because God first loved me, I shall love the world, it changes our perspective, it opens us up, because love forces us to listen to the other and it opens our eyes and ears to what's going on in this world because far too often we become self so self-absorbed that that obligation we feel is a guilt and that obligation we feel isn't really love it's guilt and we let that go when we say you know I'm so grateful for God And I love that hymn, I'm So Glad Jesus Lifted Me. The author continues that love for others is the self-sacrificial commitment to the concrete and holistic well-being of all human beings, which includes spiritual, psychological, physical, and social dimensions. Leave that up for a little bit, because that's a lot love for others is the self-sacrificial commitment to everyone how are you treating your neighbor how are you caring for the other how are you showing God's love? When, when, we, when we think about those things, the spiritual, the psychological, the physical, and, and those social dynamics that we have, when, when we take those all in account, are we really loving everyone or people that only look, think, and act like us? Because if we're only doing that, we're not loving like God has called us to. God's love calls us out and further. If you don't believe me, read the gospels. That's where Jesus went. Jesus didn't hang out in the synagogues with the religious leaders. They were okay. They weren't really, but that's a whole other sermon. The religious folk had problems too, but God wanted to make a connection with those people on the outside. And so Jesus came and modeled a lifestyle for those disciples, you all, to follow. And when we live like that, when we get to know the other and we get to know the stranger or the homeless or those that are hurting and we care for those and we self-sacrifice, it's amazing how things change for us. We become transformed just as well as the love that we share transforms those that we share it with. Love for others, as the author continues to reflect, he says, Love for others is not mere outward actions. It involves an inner attitude and motivations such as peace, or sorry, such as patience, humility, meekness, justice, self sacrifice, and benevolence. Inward actions, too. Not only what we do on the outside. Because good people do things on the outside, are not necessarily followers of Jesus, but it's where our heart is, it's what we're putting into ourselves. Do you daily read scripture? I found myself as I've been on, even on vacation, at nine o'clock when my scripture bell would ring, I would look at it without fail, I wouldn't say I was on vacation. I wouldn't tell my phone I was on vacation. Nine o'clock would ring. I'd pull up my phone. Now granted, nine o'clock was eight o'clock in Colorado, so I was a little bit more angry. But there it said, scripture reading for today. And you know, I needed that. And it worked on me, and it changed me, and it shaped me. And, and the more we intake of, of the daily reading of scriptures, and that inner attitude that we take leads to a healthier outer attitude because we realize that God is love. We, we wrestle with this because God is love, and, and we want to be a loving and caring person, but as a follower of Jesus who are led by the Holy Spirit, sometimes that journey gets a little rough because, well, there's always something. Something putting us between a barrier and God, something that is taking away our attitude towards God, or, or just in all honesty, something that, that we put up Because we're so afraid. But what if we lived into God is love and we let down the anger? We relax our shoulders a little bit and we don't be so uptight and we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. You remember the Holy Spirit? We talked about it a month ago. If you do that, that transformation that we talk about, The transformation of ourselves and of the world happens but we can't allow it to happen until we focus our lives on God and so why is love the answer because God loved us we're called to share that with the world I want to leave you with a story a riot raged in the La Mesa prison in Tijuana Mexico thousands of inmates battled the guards with bottles and rockets and while the guards shot back with machine guns until just until a small american woman in her 70s casually walked into the middle of the the riot and war and raised her hands and signal for quiet so i imagine this little old woman in her 70s walking up and just right in the middle of this prison riot, just raising your hand. You know, some of you are that old. Some of you are older. So just imagine yourself walking out in the middle of this prison riot. Prison riot. You all have seen the movies. Just walking out in the middle of this prison riot, raising your hands and just saying, be quiet. And everything stopped. Calm fell on the prison. That woman's name was Mary Brenner, who was raised in Beverly Hills, of all places. There she lived what was called a glamorous life. She lived on Beverly Hills and lived a glamorous life. But yet, when she found Jesus, her life changed direction. And now she is known as Sister Antonia. She dresses in a nun habit and lives in a sparse 10-foot cell inside the prison. Left everything in Beverly Hills and moved into a 10-foot cell. Imagine living in a 10-foot cell inside of a prison. She moved there 25 years ago to live among murderers, thieves, drug dealers. But the sister has poured her life out. For these prisoners, nursing their wounds, getting them eyeglasses and medicine, caring for their families, washing their bodies for burial. Loving them doesn't mean that she ignored their crimes. She reflected in her own words there isn't anyone who hasn't heard my lecture. They have to accept that they're wrong, they have to see the consequences. They have to feel the agony, but I do love them dearly. She refers to each prisoner as her son. And although she lives in a prison, the prison doesn't live inside of her. Her friends and the inmates describe her incredible energy, joy, and hopefulness. She describes it as simply living out her calling. In a recent interview, she said, I wouldn't trade this cell for any place in the world. Now, I'm not asking you to go to prison. I am asking you to love because God first loved us. And we can't hide that under a bushel. We shouldn't hide God's love anywhere. Instead, we should live out the challenges that were presented before us in such a way that people know we are a follower of Jesus in everything we do. Caring for the least of these, helping the sick, being with those in prison, loving and caring for all of God's creation. And I'm here to tell you that's hard. But we're not alone, because God first loved us, He's got our back, so don't be afraid, and let us pray. Dear God, thank you for these wonderful people here in this congregation. My prayer to you is in each and everyone's heart, you stir up a renewal that leads to life and to love love for all people, looking at them as though you look at them as a child of God. Because Lord, we're reminded that we are your children. All of us here gathered in this space and in online and wherever else we may be watching this, we know that you love us and you care for us. And maybe that's where we need to start is letting go and loving you. So Lord, help us and be with us and may we let your light and love shine in this world in such a way that people know we are followers of Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and be with these people and lead them to be faithful followers of you. And all of us gathered here said, Amen. Thank you for listening to Tahlequah United Methodist Church's Sermon Podcast. We hope you have a good week, and we ask that you connect with us online at Umc.org.